Today is a very special day, nonfiction branders. And this is a very special episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast because it's episode 156. Now, bear with me as I do the math a little bit, but uh, it's not terribly hard. If you take 52 weeks, that equals a year, multiply it times three, you get to the number 156. Yeah. That means that this episode is closing out three full years of producing the nonfiction brand podcast, something I thought I'd never, ever be able to do. I'm thrilled by that, but most of all, I'm thrilled by the fact that listeners from around the world have tuned in to this podcast that, frankly, I started on a lark. The way it started is kind of convoluted, but I think it's illustrative of the power of social media, which happens to be the central theme of the first book I wrote with my co-author, Spencer X. Smith, called Rotoma, the ROI of Social Media Top of Mind. Now, the thesis statement of the book was basically that social media is the most effective, efficient, and low-cost way of getting your voice out into the entire world for free, in most cases, via social media. Another idea was that social media channels were nothing more than a toolbox full of power tools that could be used for good or used for evil. But it's all up to you in how you want to use them. And, you know, one of the things in that toolbox was this thing called podcasting. When we had finished the book, the book was out and I was sitting there thinking about it. And I decided to act on something that I had read about in an article in Wire magazine about Adam Curry, the former MTV VJ, one of the original VJs of music television, better known as MTV. The article, which you can still read at Wired.com, is called Adam Curry Wants to Make You an iPod Radio Star. There's a subtitle to the article, too, and it goes on. He's gone from MTV to MP3. And now he's leading a grassroots rebellion called podcasting. Why amateurs may soon rule the airwaves, begin download now. That's what the uh, subtitle says. And it was an article that came out in March 1st of 2005. And you can find it on Wired.com simply by searching for Adam Curry wants to make you an iPod radio star. I remember reading this article because iPods were, you know, pretty brand new at the time. But I thought, wow, this is interesting. Here's the thing, though. This was way before iTunes made loading stuff onto an iPod very, very easy. And certainly podcasting, the idea of recording an audio file and having it downloaded onto an iPod so you could listen to it later was like, huh? Well, it just so happens that Adam Curry started out as a radio disc jockey, which led to his video disc jockiness on MTV. After he moved on from MTV, he was looking for something else to do that used his talents the best way possible. And he stumbled on this thing called an iPod, an Apple iPod. And then he and others started recording spoken words into audio files that he then turned into a downloadable thing called an MP3, which heretofore had only been used for music tracks. You know, remember the days when you'd go to iTunes and spend, I don't know, remember, what was it, $1.99 or $0.99, cents, I can't even remember, to download your favorite song. Well, he was hacking the iPod platform, or what I would call stage, so that he could use his talents 
or his style to make the best use of that stage. And that's what I want to talk about today. Last week, you'll recall that Jay Bear and I were talking about how people should lean into their greatest talents. In Jay's case, he was a journalist, so he leaned in hugely into the written word. Here's the funny thing about me. I've been a copywriter and a creative director in advertising for going on 30 years. And uh, while I'm a writer, I hate to write. Well, I don't hate to write, but it's one of those things where, uh, what's the old saying that's attributed to Dorothy Parker? I hate writing, but love having written. Yeah, that kind of applies to me. And so I never was able to successfully create and maintain a blog. I would start by writing some blog posts. I'd get about 20 blog posts in, and then I would be uh, bored with it, um, maybe not enthused about it, and I would drop it. And I think that probably sounds like a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, which is, I know I should be blogging, but, uh, and I know I'm a pretty good writer because I've been paid to do it for decades, but, and it's that but that always gets in the way. And I started thinking about it when it came to the podcast that I wanted to do to support my first book, Rotoma, the ROI of Social Media Top of Mind. And I thought, yeah, well, let's try podcasting. So the way that would work is Spencer would come over to my house. We would sit across from each other with a couple of microphones recording into my MacBook Pro. We would do two episodes or two episode length things. And then I would do the editing and posting and get it up into the uh, hosting site and all that stuff so that you can listen to the podcast that, frankly, you can listen to still now because the Rotoma podcast is still out there. And that's when it really hit me. Oh, my gosh. I enjoy doing this. Where writing was an onerous task that I had to do every day. You know, I was making shoes every single day. I was like the shoemaker's children walking barefoot because you know what? I write for other people every single day. I'm sick of writing for myself. And the other thing is I realized something about myself that goes all the way back to the earliest days of my childhood memories that I've always been less of a writer and more of a performer. And things started to make sense. Why could I do podcasting? And all it takes, and by the way, it takes uh, 10 to 15 hours to get out a single episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, even though I don't do any preparation for it. But the editing, the posting, the promoting, all getting guests, all these things take time. And yet I don't find that as boring and tedious as spending two to five hours writing a thousand, two thousand, three thousand word blog post. Huh, isn't that interesting? So I started developing an idea that I write about in my new book, Nonfiction Brand, Discover, Craft, and Communicate the Completely True, Completely You Brand You Already Are, called a style stage. The basic premise is pretty simple. Everyone has a style, and every social media channel is a stage. But here's the thing. Not every stage suits your style. Therefore, it's incumbent upon you to do the work to figure out what stage best suits my style or what style stage is right for me. And actually, I write about it in the book 
So I'm going to take this podcast to celebrate the 156th episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast by giving you an audiobook preview of one of the sections in the book. Again, don't expect this audiobook to come out anytime soon because I'm doing it piecemeal a little bit at a time because that's the way I roll. But this is a sneak preview at some of the content of Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are. It's not about apps. It's about your voice. A lot of people online are worried. Worried that they are being left behind by the latest, greatest iteration of some new social platform. As I write, much of that concern revolves around TikTok. Some fear that they don't understand the platform or how they could use it and that they are missing the next great revolution in social media. If you feel like that, I understand exactly where you're coming from. I felt that way about MySpace, Yik Yak, Vine, Meerkat, Friendster, FriendFeed, and all the rest of the friends, Orkut, Path, and countless others. Notice anything about that list of must-do social sites? They are all defunct and gone the way of the dodo. The flightless bird, not the popular and still operating animal-oriented video site. So was all my anxiety about the above a waste of time? Pretty much. And had I decided to fragment my focus to attempt to feed such feeds would have been an amazing waste of time, energy, and personal bandwidth. That's how I feel about some of the time-tested and proven pillar sites of social. Personally, I can't stand Facebook but I use it as mercilessly as it uses my data. Why? Because it's a great amplifier for the only thing that is 100% mine, my voice. When I say voice, I mean more than the sound coming out of your mouth. To be perfectly clear, I use the word voice to describe not only your verbal facility, but the words, thoughts, concepts, and ideas you share, and the feels just right channel or platform you use to express them. For quick-witted news and pop culture junkies, it's Twitter. For them, 280 characters is more than enough and wonderfully well-suited for the way their minds work. Ever notice how many stand-up comedians are prolific tweeters? There you go. Their respective voices have found the style stage that fits their personal talent and mojo. For others, it's about video. Great on camera and pleasant via video? More than one personal brand has found its quintessential expression on YouTube in the form of pre-edited video. A distinct subset of this video-loving genus is the live streamer. Super comfortable without a script, they thrive on the high-risk high-wire of YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitch, and even LinkedIn Live. An even more specialized non-video version of this species is the podcaster. No one knows what you're wearing or where you are, but they can develop an incredibly personal relationship with you because your voice and your very thoughts are in their head. If you're a podcaster and have ever been in a room with a bunch of people you don't know and suddenly have one of them wheel around at the sound of your voice and say, I thought that was you, and you have no idea who they are, but they are treating you like a long lost friend then you really know the power of finding the right stage for your completely true, completely you, audio-oriented voice. But that's not the only voice possibility here. 
Again, I'm not talking about specific social media channels because they come and go with the tide. Instead, I'd advise you to categorize all the potential channels out there into a relatively small list of style stages based on primary media type. It's a short list, too, and none of them have lost their power or are going away anytime soon. What's your best style stage? In a perfect world, we'd all do everything perfectly. But it's not, and we don't. However, every single person on the planet has a talent that fits one of these style stages better than the others. And by the way, just because you put your primary focus on one does not mean you ignore the others. In fact, you'll probably be employing many of the also-rans in important roles to support your primary style stage. What's your primary? Consider this list and your talents and then pick one as your number one. And don't forget, there can only be one number one. First on the list is video. You can do it produced, edited, posted, on the fly or live stream, short form or long form. Then there's audio. Again, you can do it produced, edited and posted, on the fly or live stream, Short form or long form? How about still imagery? And I'm talking about things like photography, illustration, and graphic design. And then there's writing. Short form, long form, and book length. This list is in no way exhaustive, and I'm sure you can probably add a few more style stages, but you can see where I'm going with this. On your very best day, doing the things you were born to do, you're undoubtedly more one of these things than the others. For example, on paper and resume, I'm a writer, but that's not my completely true brand nature. Truth be told, I'm a born performer and have been ever since I got my first laughs during a teacher's conference at Emanuel Lutheran School in Valparaiso, Indiana. It was one of those teacher-in-service days where they had a speaker come in to introduce teachers to the idea of using what I now know as theatrical improvisation to engage children. I was one of the kids they brought in to be involved with one of the speaker's theater games. The game was simple. She lined us up toward the back wall of the gymatorium stage and told us we could create any room we wanted by taking a make-believe piece of furniture into an invisible room. The only rule was that once a piece of non-existent furniture was placed in the room, it stayed there and no one could walk through it or place another piece on top of it. I think I was in third grade at the time, so that would have made me around eight years old. And yet, over a half century later, I can remember it like it was yesterday. We kids started playing the game. One kid created a door and walked through it with what appeared to be a poorly mimed stool placed it down, and then walked out without shutting the invisible door. Even then, I looked at that as a missed opportunity. A couple of other kids did their thing, placed and left their respective pieces of furniture, and then it was my turn. They said we could do anything we wanted to as long as we stick to the rules of the game. So if anything goes, I was going to go as anything as I could. At home, we had a sliding glass door to the backyard, so I decided that the front wall facing the assembled teachers needed a sliding glass door. But first I had to carry my piece of furniture to the front, and that piece was a little large, as in 10-foot-long couch large, 
Getting it there was half the battle, and started the teachers giggling. But getting it through the imaginary sliding glass door was the piece de resistance. I look at that day as a fundamental turning point in my life. The day before I was a kid. That day, and every day since, I've been a performer. Which is a very long way of saying that in spite of my resume and professional experience, my default position as a human being is as a performer. Why am I embracing audio podcasting as my number one style stage? Because I am a performer. And video live streaming as a close second and gaming fast for the same reason. But as you can see by the fact that I wrote the book you hold in your hands or are listening to right now, that does not stop me from writing. It's just that writing a blog post was never meant to be my most important style stage. Why? Because I'm not all that interested in doing more writing than the stuff I already do every single day. For me, producing and hosting an audio podcast or a video live stream is exciting, fun, and a welcome change from the same old, same old. And the big plus? At the time of writing, the Google says there are over 500 million active blogs but only around 850,000 podcasts. So while others are typing, I'm talking, something I do quite easily, and prolifically on mic and camera. But for others, blogging is like what a fast-moving stream is to an otter. And that's my point. Find your style based on your completely true voice, and then focus on the stage that best represents who you truly are, what you do, and most importantly, how you do it. No one is exactly like you. Not every stage is right for you, but when you look deep and get super honest with yourself, you're going to see that it's beyond okay for you not to want to do X and look forward to concentrating on Y. There's way too much out there to try to be everywhere all the time. My fewer, better doctrine encourages focus and interest in order to maximize effectiveness. In other words, it's better to go deep than wide. Instead, be exactly who you are, the way you are, but with a little extra discipline and intention on where you best perform. That's the way to communicate the truth about the completely true, completely you brand you already are. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Okay, so that's, that's all about style stages. Finding your style stage. The reason I've been able to do 156 episodes of this podcast is because it's a style stage that fits me like a glove and allows me to do exactly what I want to do. I have a reason to reach out to people I truly respect, and I have value to offer them in terms of an audience that I've been able to grow over three years that now reaches to 40 countries. That's right, 
40 countries. How do I know that? Well, next week, I'm going to be having on a really interesting person to kick off year four of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast, and her name is Connie Whitman. Please tune into those two episodes because you're going to enjoy meeting a force of nature named Connie Whitman. I think of her as Hurricane Connie, to be honest, because she's a ball of energy and great ideas and everything else. After we recorded the episode, we continued talking, as is my want, after recording with my guests. And she asked me if I had looked at my analytics on my podcast to determine how many countries I had reached with the podcast. And frankly, I said, you know, I'll be honest with you, Connie, I'm not an analytics person. I don't look at them. I don't want to know, frankly. And she said, ooh, you should. You might be amazed by what you saw. And she gave me an idea of how I can create some content based around that list of countries that I have listeners in. Well, she said she had 23 for her podcast. And I'm like, really? Wow, 23. So imagine my surprise when I go into the back-end analytics of Podbean, the podcast host site I use. By the way, I pay for it. They don't give it to me free. But I certainly would take it free if they would so offer. But Podbean has great reporting on the analytics, so you can see where your listeners are coming from, what client they're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. All that stuff. But one of the cool things they do is they have a graphic map that literally shows you where your audience is. So again, imagine my surprise when I look at that list of nations and I do the count. I get past 20. I get past 23, I get past 30, I get to 40. 40. That means there are listeners in 40 different countries around the globe who are listening to an idiot in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, pontificate about all things nonfiction branding, and that number of countries continues to grow because people like you are listening. I am... Yeah, it's... <laughs> You might find this funny for me to say, but I truly am humbled by that fact. And I truly appreciate every single one of you out there who's listening to this. I especially love you guys for referring this podcast to other people. Oh, but could you do me a solid and give this podcast an honest review wherever you get the podcast, because that helps other people find it. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hey, give it a review. If you're listening on Stitcher, Give it a review. So wherever you're listening, please consider giving it an honest review because that helps other people find it. Again, I want to say thank you to all my listeners for three years of, oh my God, can I do this every single Monday? And will anyone even listen to this thing? Well, I'm happy to report the answer to both those questions is yes. But I'll be honest, I couldn't have done it without you. Because if a podcast falls in a forest, does it make a sound? I am happy to report the answer is yes. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I am, of course, your host, D.P. Knuton. I want to encourage you to tune in to next week's episode, the first of two, with Connie Whitman, or I'm just going to give her a new name, with Hurricane Connie Whitman from New Jersey, USA you are not going to be disappointed. I'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye.